0: Edition of the Forks Down Podcast, your one-stop shop for anything and everything surrounding the Seattle Mariners baseball team. My name is Rick Clark, and with me, as always, the guy who has infinite road rage in traffic in Atlanta, Georgia. Mister Chisholm Bo, how are you doing today?
1: Uh, doing very well. Rather unique, uh, unique one today. Good job on that. Thank you. Uh, who? Thank you. Who? I don't know anybody that wouldn't have road rage in Atlanta. So you know. That's just that's just my two cents. But how are, I'm doing well. How are you doing today?
0: I, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It was a very nice day here in uh, in Idaho. There was uh, a little sun. It was only about like 70 degrees. That's that's perfect for me. It's perfect for me. So, yeah, but it was, it's been good. It's been good. And I would I, I just remembered that you called me one time in Atlanta traffic and you were yelling at people as you were talking to me. It was very impressive. Because you'd have all this rage, and then you'd mm-hmm. go back to talking normally with me. And I was just like, I was laughing hysterically at one point, so.
1: Yeah, it became pretty commonplace for me. Yeah, didn't even yeah. know I was doing it at some points, so, <laughs> um,
0: yeah. <laughs> Before we get into everything, thank you for taking time to listen to another edition of the Down Podcast. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. You know, we're, we're having a lot of fun. We're seeing our listens go up on Spotify and other places. So thank you for being a part of that. Um, if you're a first time listener, Hey, thanks for choosing forks down. And hopefully we're your new home for Mariners baseball talk. Um, you know, we're, we're about 46 episodes in and uh, we're, we're having a lot of fun with it. So thanks for joining us for it. Uh, if you haven't already go hit up our social media pages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram by searching forks down podcast. Um, our messages are always open. You want to ask us questions, um, that you want answered on air. If you want to ask us personally, you know it's it's open. Shoot, shoot a question. So, um, and then if you haven't already, also hit like and subscribe on your podcast listening app. Um, it'll notify you when we drop new episodes. Um, you can also help us out by hitting five stars again. Not for our egos. I've said that well enough in the past, but it helps drive us up the charts a little bit. You know, in their algorithms that they have on Spotify. You know Google, uh, Play, uh, you know, Apple Podcasts, stuff like that. It'll help us get more visible on their charts. So you do that for us, and we will bring the best Mariners content that we can. You know, being two fans from Seattle, Washington, and McCall, Idaho. So, anyways, Bo, we have no Mariners notes this week, or. I shouldn't say this week. Cause we had some on Monday. But we have no Mariners notes this show. Uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing.
1: I'm thinking it's probably an okay thing right now. I wonder, I mean, we probably need to have a speculation episode probably sometime soon, or at least like a second part of the episode where we talk about what do we think may be going on behind the curtain in terms of like trade talk and everything else. And maybe we'll get some more quote unquote rumors later, but, uh, yeah, I would assume that there's probably something brewing, but, um, you know, I think we're probably also going to wait a couple weeks to see where we're at. So there's probably something coming, I would assume.
0: I, w- I would assume so, too. And knowing Trader Jerry and Justin, it's going to be hopefully a big thing. I I just saw the question posed. Oh, I can't remember if it was on the Trade Rumors app. Are, are the Mariners going to be sellers at the deadline or buyers? And I, I really don't think they're going to be sellers. Um, you know, we're, we're only sitting Mariners only sitting a, a game under 500 right now. Um, I think they're in good position to make a run at it. Um, and, and certainly the Marlins series showed that, um, you know, they are kind of coming to life, obviously, uh, game three against the Marlins didn't turn out how we hoped, but the Mariners took two or three from the Marlins. And so I, I think, uh, you know, this next couple weeks are going to be very telling because the Mariners have some very a very big road trip coming up. They go to New York, they play Baltimore. They're going to see the rays. Like that's a, that's a huge road trip coming up.
1: Yeah. I think the, after the next week, it's going to be a little bit more clear, probably right. What maybe direction we might end up going. And uh, yeah, I think it's also important to note the Mariners do have that draft pick that they can trade at some point. So Mariners do maybe have a little bit more, um, you know, leverage if they want to pull off a trade. So something could be coming soon. We don't know, but, uh, yeah, probably going to be clear more after this next series and the subsequent kind of end of next week as well. Yep.
0: yeah. Yep. Well, but let's, uh, let's dive into the Mariners series. And I think, uh, the best game of the series was probably game one. Um, you probably argue that George Kirby's outing, um, in game two was a little bit better, but game one, uh, was a great win eight to one win. And, uh, we kinda, we kinda saw it all, um, in game one, Bryce Miller put up a very dominant, um, performance His one hit was a home run that he gave up, but he went six strong, uh, one hit, one run that was earned, had six Ks did have three base on balls. Um, but, uh, a very stellar performance from Bryce Miller.
1: Yeah. And I think this, uh, I think this matchup, um, ended up being pretty favorable for, Um, it kind of ended up being pretty favorable for everyone. I think when we kind of look back on it uh, on the pitching side, um, the the Marlins are not a great uh, fastball hitting team, and we've got some guys that really dominate with the fastball. Um, Mm -hmm. Bryce Miller was, I think, you know, um, certainly the case on this day. Um, you know, still fastball heavy, but it's been working for him. The spin was up in this game. Um, and, you know, he was able to generate some whiffs off it as well. So um, I think really solid game from from the pitching staff. And it's also good just to kind of see the pitching staff get back into a little bit more of a, of a rhythm, more or less. And, you know, this game and then still throughout the rest of the series as well.
0: Yep. Yep. I mean, Bryce Miller had a great series or a great pitching performance. Uh, but I mean, it would be very reminiscent if we didn't talk about Ty Ackcock You know, he got added to the roster for Monday's game and he ended up seeing two innings. He didn't walk anyone. He didn't give up a hit. He didn't strike anyone out. He went two innings and got a bunch of ground ball outs and looked pretty good, um, you know, for for getting called up and then pitching pretty much the day you got called up. Um, and then Gabe Spire came in at the end of the game in the ninth inning, um, had one K, pitched one inning, didn't give up a hit. So um, pitching staff looked pretty well. And, and like you said, um, you know, the Marlins aren't a great fastball hitting team and it kind of showed in game 1 um i think the biggest thing and it's it's kind of been it was kind of a very big i would say um game story throughout the series is the Marlins have luis arias um who is approaching batting 400 um he came into the series batting 391 if i'm not mistaken um, the Mariners did not give them a hit. And that was kind of the story every game where, you know, they if they could keep Luis from getting that hit or something, you know, he was kind of the catalyst to their offense. And uh, Monday and Tuesday really showed that because uh, the Marlins really, really didn't have a great offensive showing in those two games. And, and I think it came down to um, Mariners pitching and how they decided to pitch him and the rest of the team.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, a rough series overall for Arias. We can talk about, I think it was on the two airs that he booted on Wednesday, the, the Wednesday game, I think too. But yeah, just a rough series for him overall. Um, but yeah, the fact that, uh, you know, the Mariners and I think Bryce Miller in this game went back to like um, a little bit of their roots that they had earlier in the season, just dominant pitching. And mm-hmm. we didn't get beat a lot by, um, we got beat a couple times, just gave up a couple home runs here and there, but um, the fact that we were able to, you know, shut down a rise and kind of shut down the getting that guy on the beginning of the batting order there was, was a very positive sign. So, um, <clears throat> you know, I think the, the old adage of good pitching beats good hitting. Um, I feel like that's sometimes, I feel like that's sometimes true. That sometimes, uh, isn't quite always the case, but I thought that this one was a good, a good example of that. These first couple of games. Yep.
0: And, and I gave you some grief. When we shot Monday's episode, Tuesday's episode, because you you'd said all the Mariners need to do is score four runs and they'll win the ball game. They'll have a better chance of winning the ball game. And you were two and zero this week or this series. um, You know when the Mariners scored more than four runs, so um, (laughs) you know pitching was great, but offensively they kind of stepped it up as well. (laughs) Um, You know to to move on to the offense. <laughs> great great showing by basically almost everyone in the lineup jp went two for four had two runs um had a double his 13th double of the season uh julio one for four one run one rbi um uh, ty france had a home run sixth of the year had three rbis in the game um Oscar hernandez two for four one run one rbi and then gino two for four one run one rbi and uh, I'd be I'd be hitting myself if I didn't mention Tom Murphy because it seems like Tom Murphy's coming around a little bit too. Two for four, two runs, one RBI. Uh, five different Mariners had RBIs. France, Gino and Murph all had home runs and then a bunch of people had a bunch of people, three people. Um, Crawford, Teo, and Murphy all had doubles um, to keep up with our grounded into double play tracker, Julio did ground into a double play. Uh, runners in scoring position, three for eight, left on base six. Um, and I know you noted in the in the in the notes here that um, kind of the person that's standing out right now is, is Teoscar Hernandez. Um, he's looking a lot better. He's, I feel like he's making a lot better swing decisions. He's still striking out, you know, on average like once a game, but like he's not striking out at least in the last handful of games. You know he was striking out three or four times a game. He's he's not doing that currently,
1: right? Exactly. No, he's the guy that he just keeps looking. Yeah, he just keeps looking better and better. And um, I'm trying to think. I pulled it up here. So since May, he has a 114 WRC plus. Right. So a 328 weighted on base percentage. So things just kind of keep. I think trending up with him. So it looks better and better. And I, um, I think he's making good. He's making good swing decisions. I feel like he's you know, his struggle I think has been with some of the like sliders and the kind of the two seamers that he's had this year. And I, I think he's done a better job at those pitches, but also I think laying off them in certain instances. So um, yeah, I think you're, I think you're exactly right there. I think he's just making better swing decisions. There was some sort of change or some sort of, maybe they talk to somebody or just kind of just shaking off the rust from the beginning of the season. But, um, yeah, he's kind of becoming a player that I think we anticipated him of being right. We never anticipated Tay Oscar of being this, um, you know, I think he's only hit 30 home runs, I think once in his career. Right. I don't know if we ever expected that out of him, but I said, maybe we can get out of that out of him. And, um, you know, he is looking a little bit closer to maybe what he was from this entire season last year, which is kind of what we hope to get out of him. And, you know, if we get that out of him, you know, we're, uh, we're going to be our chances of winning bell games goes up. Right. So, um, Mm -hmm. he's looking a lot better this far.
0: Yep. 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 And, uh, I know he's been making adjustments. They, they were telling us on the broadcast, um, that he's been, you know, trying to make adjustments. The other guy that's been making adjustments is uh Gino. sounds like he's trying to not, um, open up so much going through a swing he's trying to stay a little bit more compact and again he had a pretty good series he went you know two for four on Monday and one for three on Tuesday um, he did go for three on on Wednesday but that was just not a great offensive game and we'll get to that but overall you know there's a couple guys that are trending upwards um you know uh Kelnick sat out Monday's game he got he got a, a rest day and uh, I, th- I think he certainly needed it. But um, Kelnick's kind of trending down right now. And Julio, I-, I feel like every time we say, oh, someone's getting hot and whatnot, they, they reverse course and, and kind of trend down. And it seems like Julio was getting hot, you know, winning player of the week, I think it was last week for the AL. And now he's kind of, he's hitting it below 240 after this series.
1: Yeah, just uh just a mixed bag with Julio and he like he still hit I just I feel like we probably need to quit saying this, but he keeps hitting the ball pretty hard even on the ground play that I even in the ground ball that I think he had in this game, like it's ripped pretty hard. It's just uh yeah, we can't seem to figure out how to get these guys all on the same page at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. It seems like it was Jared and then Julio started to get going a little bit, and now Ty France has been going over the last couple of games and Ty Oscar's mm-hmm. been like you know, and we saw a little bit of it kind of coming together in this series anyway, so you combine it with the bottom of the lineup and a couple other guys, but yeah, just like the piecing it together of everybody at one time, I feel like we haven't seen that obviously a lot and it's a, uh, it's a little frustrating, but uh, we keep saying Julio's look better. Julio's going to get, hopefully I think get back to his, you know, rookie of the year form at some point. It just, uh, hopefully it happens at the same time that we get Kelnick going and we get Teoscar going, and that would be uh, that'd be great to see. But um, not sure where we're gonna see that.
0: Yep, yep. Moving on to Saturday's game, um, Mariners had a very, a very mixed bag on offense. <laughs> uh, right, did I say Saturday's game? I always put the. Middle I was game just Saturday. I was just about you, to hop you, in there. Yeah, you, I was gonna I was gonna, I was gonna I was gonna let you go,
1: and then I was gonna make fun of you. So I'm glad you caught yourself. So well okay. done. Good
0: Tuesday's job. game. Thank you, thank you. Tuesday's game. Uh, I, I'm trying to talk about Tuesday's game, guys. <laughs> um, Tuesday's game was a very mixed bag on offense. Uh, the top of the order went. Uh, let's see one the the first five batters. So Crawford, Julio, Ty France, Teo, and Kelnick. When a combined 10, 13, 16, 19, one for 19. Um, But the Mariners scored nine runs. That doesn't make sense in most baseball fans mind. Um, But you pair a George Kirby stellar outing with Cal, Mike Ford and Jose Caballero coming through and uh, getting all nine RBIs in the bottom part of the order. And, that leads to a Mariners 9-3 victory. So, uh, very, very good offensive showing from Cal, Mike Ford, and Caballero. I think most impressive Mike Ford, uh, two-home run game.
1: Uh, no, two-home run game, and Mike Ford's been completely serviceable. And, like, I'm, I'm happy that we kind of been able to give him this chance to – you know play a little bit so it's been uh hopefully hopefully it continues right because he's kind of filling that absolute dh hole that we needed right i don't know Uh i don't know how long it's gonna last but uh it's been uh it's been awesome to see him uh i think kind of take the reins of it so far um but yeah i think the so the mariners have only had like i think a total of 71 rbis out of the seven through nine hole the whole season so like i don't know what's my math on that it's like nine of however many runs like a lot of a percentage of our runs from our seventh, eighth and ninth hole hitters came a lot. It came in this game in particular. So, uh, but no, it's, uh, it's good to see, especially when the, the top of the lineup seems like they have a lot of zeros up there. So, um, yeah, those games are going to happen and it just happened to uh, happen to happen on this one. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, good to see.
0: Yep. Yep. Total, total role reversal for the offense, but great showing Caballero had a triple two for three like the triple is really hard swung down the third baseline. And, um, you know, I, we had Cody on a couple weeks ago to, to fill in with you. And one of the things he said when he went to the Atlanta Braves Mariners game was Caballero is very fast. Like he doesn't look like it until you see it in real life. And you're like, he's moving. And Caballero, when he hit that triple was moving. I've never seen someone maybe since each maybe that from second to third, like he accelerated. And I'm like, holy God, like he turned on the jets. Yeah. So Caballero looked looked phenomenal playing, playing really good baseball. Um, You know, what else can we say about Mike Ford, um, Cal Raleigh, uh, getting the stash power going. Um, um, I don't know if you, Bo, did you see the interview with Cal Raleigh um, between games two and three? I did not, know. Um, they were asking him because um, it, it, Aaron Goldsmith, who in my mind's probably the best announcer in baseball at this point. Like Aaron Goldsmith just is far away the greatest. Um, he said something about Cal's mustache that he, he, he had turned up with at the game. And immediately when he said it, home run, three run home <laughs> run. Right. So next day they're having a press conference and uh, – <laughs> Someone asked them, they're like, so uh, have you talked to Logan Gilbert? Because, you know, he's got the stash going. He goes, oh, yeah, I've already talked to him. I told him I have the better stash already. You know, and someone goes, so did that take you like two days to grow? He's like, yeah, took me like two days. It took Logan like three weeks to grow his. So that started. And then they got camera footage of the uh, dugout between Tuesday and Wednesday's game. Scott service has a mustache as well. I don't think he's going to be shaving that for a while. So, the whatever, it t-
1: whatever it takes, whatever, oh. whatever it takes. Yes,
0: exactly. Exactly. But um, it, I'm telling you, if you haven't saw it or if you haven't seen it, go look at the press conference with Cal Raleigh. He's just such a fun player to listen to. Even when he's not having a great season, statistically, he's, he's, it looks like he's always having fun or, Sometimes he looks angry, but I think that every ball player looks angry at some point. So, um, runners in scoring position offensively, just to wrap up the offense. Runners in scoring position, four for 10, left on base five. And there was no grounding into double place. Caballero stole two bases, which is his ninth, eighth, and ninth stolen base of the season. Kelnick stole a base, eight um, stolen bases on the season. So, offensively, again, a very mixed bag. If you look, just at the box score, but um, that led to nine runs. Uh pitching wise, uh I know you want to talk about Kirby because Kirby bounced back in a very big way on Tuesday's in Tuesday's game.
1: Yeah, I think for only going six things, I still thought this was like one of George Kirby's better starts of his career almost, right? Like especially just given how um you know, the last one went. And then the I think the one before that, that I think he gave up seven runs like he was very much himself in this game. I think we've chatted before about like, oh, does he need to try to walk more guys or does he need to try to, you know, was there something else he can try to do because he throws a lot of strikes, but he was very much himself in this game. Right. Still threw a ton of strikes, didn't walk anybody. Um, you know, was fastball heavy to kind of, you know, I think attack that Marlins lineup that has a harder time with the fastball. So he was very much himself and he just very much came out and dominated, right. And, uh, generated, um, generated a lot of swings and misses in this game. Like I think it was, like it ended up being 20 swings and misses, um, couple would just, um, you know, usage of his fastball pretty heavy in this game. Um, similar to like Bryce Miller's like usage in the first game. I think Bryce Miller had more, but you kind of get where I'm going with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he had quite the same amount of spin on his pitches in this game, but for the way that he was working the command and attack at the top of the zone, I don't think he really needed it. So I thought this was a very impressive performance from George Kirby.
0: Honestly, I mean, yeah, it's one of his better performances. Only gave up three hits in the game, uh, one run, and it was not even an earned run. You know, it happened on an air and uh, most, he had his most strikeouts in a Mariners uniform. Had 10 Ks, he's done and had nine Ks a couple times, but he had never hit double digits, and he did on Tuesday's game. So, you know, I I commend George Kirby for bouncing back like he had, you know, from his kind of previous two starts. So, you take those two starts out, and he's probably sitting with the best ERA in baseball. You know, it's it's already 3.24, and he had two starts where he gave up like six, seven runs a piece.
1: Yeah, I think uh, if you take out maybe those two starts, we're we're getting clo- we're closing in on a, con- a good conversation about him making the All Star team, right? Yep. Like uh, mm-hmm. I think someone could probably even make a case now, but um, I think just given those starts, he's probably not going to get it. But yeah, there would be a, there would be a definite conversation to have. I think without those two starts, for him on the All Star team, and who knows, maybe the next two, he I think he'll have. Where are we at? We're a little over a month out from the All Star game, so maybe he gets three more starts at least two more starts so yeah still an outside if, chance i think he makes it but um yeah we'll see yeah.
0: if if he has 3 starts he's probably going to make the all-star game but not pitching it if he has 2 i think there's yeah. a definite chance that he makes it It could you know you know like dusty baker's going to be the manager for the all-star team and i'm sure he's going to want to not use his players and probably use some of uh his in-division rivals players at the All-Star Games, so um, if he makes it, I'm sure after another two starts, he'd probably pitch. But, again, we'll have that conversation in a second. But, uh, to round out Tuesday's game, Topa came in, pitched an inning, gave up two hits, but didn't give up any runs. Um, I'm, I'm going to skip the next one and just go to Sacedo real quickly. Sacedo closed it out, one-inning pitch, had a base on balls, didn't give up a run. But, um, were you very surprised that Scott brought in Chris Flexen in the eighth. Um, I was a little
1: surprised. Scott must've had a lot of confidence that we were going to win that game because I mean, just the way that Flexen has been going, I don't want to talk too much about Chris Flexen just because I feel like we, we talk about him a lot and like, uh, I guess he kind of came in in garbage time in a positive way this time. So I think they were fine with just kind of, they thought he could get three outs and they let him out there and he did get three outs without, you know, giving up the lead, so that was uh that was a win, positive. There you, go. Right. So there you
0: go. I I must admit, uh, <laughs> I saw him come in, and I had to double check the score a couple of times. I'm like, wait, are we losing? What is going on? Yeah. And then he gave up the home run, and I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> so I just, you know, I thought it was funny. I I might have might have said a couple expletives during that moment in the game too. Mm. Um, but anyways. <laughs> moving on to Wednesday's game. Um, Wednesday's game was a whole lot of nothing offensively. Um, but I wouldn't say Luis Castillo had a bad start. Actually, I wouldn't even say it was really a dominant win from the Marlins outside of their outfield defense being pretty, pretty dang good in Wednesday's game.
1: Yeah, no, hundred percent. The, the, the outfield defense that, I mean, watching this game, just like, I, I felt like they just kept getting run. And, um, the, you know, the opposite side of that is like, I didn't think Gary Perez was as, um, he's been, you know, towered a lot. And I think he was pretty good in this game, but, um, you know, the Mariners hit the ball really hard against him. Right. And that's why we mm-hmm. got, that's why we saw a lot of good run from the outfield of the Marlins. Cause the Mariners were, the Mariners were on top of Perez. It was just, we couldn't, I don't know. We couldn't really pull the trigger on, you know, getting some of these balls out of the ballpark. So um, I, uh, yeah, I think that, and I think on the Louis side, um, yeah, just kind of an uncharacteristic, um, I guess you can call it game from him, right? With all the walks. So um,
0: <laughs> yeah. But even with the walks, the, the Marlins were not doing anything with, with the pitches. They, they, Luis Castillo walked them six times. It only led to two hits, two runs, two earned runs, and it it really wasn't a bad performance outside of the six walks. Um, I I will say a little bit of that, um, probably atri- came from the umpire. Um, you know the the umpire crew um, was pretty decent throughout the series, but. Um, I can't remember the guy's name who was behind the plate. Um, Season season average for like most umpires is like, you know, on pitch accuracy is like 88%. He called an 83% game, which was not great. So I always attribute some of that, you know, some of the walks, not just by Castillo, but from the whole team, probably being some very bad calls. And I would honestly say some of the offense was affected by some of those bad calls as well. Kelnick, and it wasn't just one team either. Because at at numerous times Scott was yelling at the umpire and then like the next inning, skip Schumacher who's the Marlins manager was yelling at the umpire. So I think both teams kind of had trouble, um, with the, um, you know, the, the game called behind the plate and <laughs> I mean, it didn't really lead to any offense.
1: Uh, it didn't really, yeah, it didn't really lead to too much offense and, um, yeah, I got. I feel like that. I feel like that automated strike zone is coming sooner than than we than we uh, than we're ready for it. I think it's it's coming. I feel like it's got to be coming sooner rather than later. But yeah, I think that uh, the fact that it didn't really affect the offense too much, especially on the Mariners side, and um, still just a rough game from I think us overall in terms of just getting the ball um, in play. So yeah, a little bit of a mixed bag offensively and you know officiating side on
0: the wednesday game anyways yep. yep yep um to wrap up the pitching uh matt brash munoz topa and see it all came in at very point various points in the game brash looked pretty good pitched uh two-thirds of an inning did give up a hit but had two k's munoz came in um gave up t- uh or had one k gave up one walk um in two-thirds of an inning topa did give up a couple runs in his appearance, and then Seawald came in for an inning. Had a base on balls and one K. So pitching wise, not the best. I think there were some outside forces um, that led to some of those walks and stuff. But uh, certainly wasn't a bad pitching uh, game pitching wise. So um, hitting wise, uh, you know, basically one, two, three, four hits in the game for the Mariners. One from Teo, one from Kelnick, uh, one from France. Oh no, Kelnick didn't have a hit. France and Teo had a hit. Cal went two for four. Um, and really, there was nothing happening until the uh, the ninth inning, and then, uh, as you sell so, so eloquently put it in the notes, Bo, Jesus Sanchez broke our balls.
1: Yep, I was. Uh... I was uh, I was very excited, very excited. I thought that I thought that Gino had it, um, but uh, yeah, I think in the light of the, what the day's events were for the Marlins off the Marlins defense, that is, just kind of continued and uh, yeah, no huge huge play for the Marlins just uh, on a day where we had a tough time getting offense going. Just really wish we would have been able to catch something there, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess that's sometimes just just the way it goes there, but um, tough,
0: yeah. Team uh, runners in scoring position, we were 0 for 8. We left six on base, including, what was that at the end? Three. There were three people on base when Cal got the third out. I think there's three. It was either two or three. So at the end of the game, we left a couple people on base, which attributed to most of the people left on base throughout the whole game. So um, again, but two out of three isn't bad. It still puts us a game under 500. But um, with the White Sox coming to town, I, I really think um, it it kind of got us back on track.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I think offensively things are things are looking better, right? Mm-hmm. The the Mariners need the long ball to I think really kind of help move them along, and yeah, you know, they got more of that this series. Um, I think again, right? We still want to hope that we can get. Kelnick and Julio moving at the same time where it seems like we've got Teoscar and Ty going right now, right? So Mm -hmm. there's still a hope that maybe we can kind of get these guys all going at the same time and you know we can really see what this team can be. Um, But uh, there are definite strides that I think the team has taken over the last couple weeks, right? So Mm -hmm. they've a couple, especially these last couple games, I should say. Um, But they've like some guys are shaking off some cobwebs, you know, um, very hopeful that uh, Julio can get a kick, it back into gear and the, you know, the White Sox series is a certainly a winnable series. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think we're going to be hitting the Yankees, uh, hopefully at the right time. Um, but, uh, yeah, this next week is going to be a pretty big test for, for the team. And hopefully the offense just continues the groove that it's in. Yep.
0: Yep. Um, <clears throat> one of the notes you put here, or one of the questions I should say in the notes is you asked, I guess you're asking me is Luis Castillo the lone All-Star on the team right now. I want to flip that back around on you. Do you feel like Luis Castillo currently is the only Mariners representative representative on the All-Star team?
1: Well, I will answer and then you will answer, so I'll flip I, of back on you. I will. Um so I think Luis Castillo he's but he's probably the he's probably the Mariners at least first representative I would I would think right now like if I'm if I'm picking like someone that I think's done a decently good job coupled with the statistics and everything like Luis is probably the guy that I'm picking right now. Um, uh, is he the Mariners' lone one? Um, I think you could probably make a good case for for Paul Seawald to make the All Star team. I think there's probably a he's done, you know, I think very well this season, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that if you're if you're gonna pick, I would say probably Luis, and I do think that maybe Seawald is is getting close to it. Um just given his performance that he's had thus far. Um I think he's only had this yeah, ha- I think he's only had one blown save this season, if I yep. remember correctly. So Which um, I don't
0: understand the blown save either because he didn't give up a run. Technically, he shouldn't have blown the save, but
1: yeah, it's, yeah, it's a, it's an odd stat, but um I think anyways, still been a, you know, very, very good reliever for the Mariners and a very good reliever in the American league this year. Um So I think I'll probably go with Luis Castillo. Um I think just all the stats probably aligned to him. I think the most, Um but yeah, I think that, I think that might be it like I don't know I don't know how you're feeling on the hitting side of things but I think there's probably a serious question of if Julio is on the team or not Um, what I'll say is that uh, what I'll say is I I'm pretty confident that Julio is going to make the team I'll just I'll just throw that out there like I think Julio let me back this up I think I'm confusing things here I think Luis Castillo is the Mariners all-star representative that based upon his merit and what he's done so far. And then policy. Well, probably there as well. Julio, I think honestly probably gets onto the team more because it's in Seattle and we're going to need somebody to help represent us there. So that's the team. That's those, are, those are the guys that I think make the team. So what are your, who's on your team? Do you think Julio's on it?
0: I hate to say it cause I love Julio. You know, I, I think he's going to be a big part of this team for years and years and years to come, but I don't think he should be on the all-star team this season. Um, you know, just from an average standpoint, he's not hitting very well. He's shown that he's still got his power. You know, he's got, I think he shares the team lead right now with 13 home runs in the on the team. So, um, and he, he is either first or second in RBIs right now. So, um, I don't know. I, I would... Be more inclined to give it to someone like Ty France. Um, Ty France is really turning around. He had one bad stretch, you know, kind of around when we played the Blue Jays in Toronto. But other than that, he's hitting between 270, 280. Um, he's coming up with some big hits. Um, he's currently third right now and doubles with, I think, 21 or 22. Um, you could stat check me on that. But um, I think Ty France would be a very, very good choice to be a representative. Um, I would I would probably argue George Kirby over Luis Castillo. Um, just because I feel like I don't know, I, I feel like Luis has done well. He leads the team, and in, in K's, um, I do think a lot of people do the eye test, and and it's different with pitchers than position players. Pitchers get picked. By the coaching staff, so it'll be picked by Dusty Baker. Um, honestly, you could see Luis getting the call, but if you look at the ice, the eye test on his win loss, he's currently four and five. That's not great. It's not all star level numbers, you know. You should be winning more ball games than you lose, um, and certainly that hasn't necessarily all been his fault. Um, I would argue Kirby's got a better overall record. You take out those two, two, those two bad starts, as you should with someone like Garrett Cole, who's had a couple bad starts, and you're looking at someone that not only makes the All Star team but could be getting in talks for the Cy Young Award. You know, so I would argue George Kirby over Luis Castillo, but um, I like your Paul Seawald pick. Paul Seawald is someone that I think has fallen under the radar for the Mariners. And honestly, I think if Munoz has had the full season with us, I think it'd be Munoz instead of Seawald. But Seawald in Munoz's place has stepped up in a big way. Only one blown save. Come in, saved a bunch of games for the Mariners, and uh, looked every bit the pitcher that um, you know we've expected in the last couple seasons with, from him. So, yeah.
1: No, I think that's I think that's all fair, and um, I. Uh... I'd really love for George Kirby to make the team. And, um, you know, so I was trying to pull up, I was trying to pull up fan graphs coupled with baseball reference coupled with, you know, uh, maybe baseball perspectives to kind of see where guys value wise are kind of breaking out. And sometimes it's a little hard to know exactly, you know, kind of ascertain kind of what the, the wins above replacement values are. And, yeah i think luis is still kind of on top i think george kirby may have more fan graphs war and war is not going to be a you know end-all be-all for especially for the all-star game but um you know george kirby is right in the i think the top six in the in the al and then luis is right behind him so i think it was a very good case for kirby to make the team and mm-hmm. um i think especially if he has probably two more good starts i think he can probably maybe try to force himself in there um so i would love that i would love for george kirby to make the to make the team i think that would be very very positive thing for for you know the team itself and a big win for you know the marriage development side and um you know just the fact that we get more of them right even though you know it's in our city and we're not going to get as many maybe as we want so
0: mm-hmm.
1: um but yeah uh, do you think do you think julio do you think the mariners would have any representative in the home run derby do you think that they would do that Is would would I- be
0: anybody or I don't want anyone in the home run derby. It's probably there's probably going to at least be one. I could see Julio do it. I could see Kelnick actually coming in and being part of the home run derby. His his home runs this season have been massive moonshots. I could see him being one of the guys that comes in. But from the standpoint of seeing what happens when people go through the all the home run derby, you know, I think Julio was kind of a special case last season. He didn't really regress that much, but, yeah. Um, I don't want to see anyone in the home run derby. Okay. That's, that's, I'm going to back that up. I would love to see Mariners in the home run derby because we will be there. We we will be there. I don't necessarily want to see them, though.
1: And I don't really want to root for, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Pete Alonso's been banged up, so I don't really want to have to root for Pete Alonso, but uh, maybe Otani does it. I don't really want to root for Otani. Maybe Devers does it. I don't really want to root for Devers. So. I want somebody I can root for and I don't really know if there's gonna be anybody on the AL side I can really pull for. So
0: no, we wanna I think we wanna root for Otani because A, he's gonna be a mariner next season and B <laughs> That's <laughs> funny. That's oh, okay. funny. That's the Anyways. funniest
1: thing I've heard all day.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm yes. a comedian here. I'm here all week. But uh no, I I think we're also sitting in what would be Shoei's splash zone. Um that's good kinda point. out in right center. So we good could point. We could certainly be on television catching some uh, home run derby balls. So
1: good point, I like it. Yep yep.
0: yep, yep, So, um, before we get out of here, obviously we still have the prospect corner, which we're coming up on. But let's uh, let's do a quick preview of the White Sox, Bo. Um, you know, White Sox are pitching pretty well right now. Um, but outside of like Lou Bob, Luis Robert, um, they're not hitting very well, and so I think uh, I think this matchup is pretty favorable for the Mariners. At least to get
1: two or three. Uh, yeah, I think two or three is I think two or three is, is realistic here. Um, Kopech's been has been kind of uh, I want to say up and down, but he has had a couple has had a couple games there where he didn't look quite as sharp, but he's had a couple games where he's looked super sharp. So I don't know what kind of version we're gonna get of Kopech, but. Um, Yeah, I would be, I'd be really curious to see how that, um, that, I guess that's that Friday game is going to go, um, especially with the Mariners offense doing as well as it has the last couple of games. So, um, and that's probably the game I'm going to watch the most just because we also have Brian Wu going on that night. So, um, Mm. hopefully hope the best that he continues, you know, after his last solid start. Um, and then, you know, the next game after that is the Giolito versus Gilbert start. Um, Giolito also looks like somebody that is more or less just kind of back this season. Um, So, just another pitcher that, um, which is the White Sox have always kind of had, the White Sox had decent pitching in 2021. It kind of took some time off in 2022, and now it seems like it's back in 2023. So, yeah, Giolito, and then to kind of close it out would be Lance Lynn versus Bryce Miller. So, um, a couple good pitching matchups coming up.
0: Yeah, that Lance Lynn one, though, I think. Miller should be heavily favored. And I'm sure Cody would almost tell you the same thing. We're going to have him on on Tuesday's episode to kind of go over the review of this series. But uh Lance Lynn hasn't been having a great uh, great year. He's got an ERA over 6 right now. You know, that's that's not great. Those are those are Chris Flexen numbers right now. So yeah.
1: Yep. Yep. So should be should
0: be interesting regardless. Yep. All right, Bo. It's time for Prospect Corner. I, I, I love me some Prospect Corner, and I can't wait to see who you're doing for Prospect Corner this uh, this uh, episode.
1: Sure thing. Well, today's is a little less. It's somebody that I think we all know, and I just kind of I thought it was important just to kind of check in with where Emerson Hancock is right now, right? Um, you know, I think he was. You know, certainly talked about, I think, before the season as somebody that could potentially get a call up at, at some point in 2023. Um, you know, Wu and Miller were also kind of in that kind of good Arkansas um, starting rotation down there. Um, and the numbers for Hancock thus far have not been, I would say, probably as good as the mayor's anticipated. He's given up a five ERA right now um he's walked i think more than probably anticipated he's walking about five per nine um but however i would say over his last two games he did go um six solid innings on both his starts and you know sw- walked less walked only i think two and one in his last game and then one before that but also striking out I think guy's still at a pretty good clip in those two games so um you know good bounce backs from him from a couple of tough starts that i think he had um And just uh, the walks have been a little bit more of an issue for him this year. Um, So just kind of something to keep an eye on with him Um, still striking out, you know, like I said, 10.8 per nine. So there's still some good numbers there on the strikeout side. If he's got to get some walks under control, I think before he's going to make his major league debut. Um, But uh, I don't know. I don't quite know if there's maybe if there's another injury, maybe there's a chance that he gets another shot uh, shot, I guess a shot at the rotation, but um, I think with this walks, it probably makes you a, a little worrisome there, but um, there's certainly a chance that he can make his debut this year. Um, I think it very well just depend on maybe his next couple starts and kind of seeing what the code the command, what the control looks like. So Emerson Hancock, I think still trending to probably make the, at some point make his debut. I would say maybe this year, but um, I would maybe put that at like a, maybe there's like a, I would say maybe like a sixty percent chance at least, like maybe like a spot start here or there, maybe. But um, again, gotta get the walks under control. So Emerson Hancock, at some point, I think you'll see him in Seattle this year, but maybe only for one or two starts. So that's the guy.
0: God, you're you're really hurting my uh, my preseason roster projections. I I picked Emerson to be the fifth man in our rotation. And he's not having a great season. So you're, you're really you're killing my vibe there. But um, good to see that he's bounced back, um, you know, six six with a good strikeout clip and only giving up three walks in those two after he's had trouble with walks is that's that's a positive, you know, that's that's a step in the right direction. So
1: absolutely. Yep. And, you know, hopefully we'll see him. Hopefully he gets a chance maybe at some point if, you know, gets those walks under control and, um, you know, it's just another point, another, you know, I don't want to say a trade trip. I won't say that yet, but maybe
0: another, you know, hopefully a good pitcher for the Mariners. Yeah. Well, that's our show for today. Um, you know, we've got a big, big uh, road trip coming up, but let's get through the White Sox series first. And like I said, we'll have uh, our friend of the show, Cody Esman come on on uh tuesday's episode and um we'll we'll review the white Sox series but you got anything else before we get out of here
1: uh nothing for me nope
0: all righty for all our listeners in the puget sound pacific northwest and beyond thank you for taking time to listen to another edition of the Forkstown podcast for bo chisholm i'm rick clark and we'll see you guys next week